0: Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights
1: and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me once again. Today, we venture once again into the higher education sector to understand how the Australian Catholic University is telling their story on social media. Our guest is Stephanie McCormick, and Stephanie is a recovering lawyer. She's got a rich career in communication, specialising in both traditional and digital communication. She's worked in both the private and the public sector, but at the moment she works for the Australian Catholic University as their community coordinator and social platform specialist. In this position, she aims to use the social platforms available to her to enhance the experience of not only the students, but alumni and researchers. For our listeners based in Sydney, you can catch her in late October when she presents about how universities can use their social strategies for both recruitment and better engagement. She joins me now. Stephanie, thank you very much for giving us a little bit of your time this afternoon on GovComs.
0: Thanks for having me. So,
1: Stephanie, how about before we get into the conversation, we, we learn a little bit more about you. What's the, the Stephanie McCormack story?
0: Uh, well, it's a bit of a winding road, essentially. My life has been jumping from one challenge to another, so I think is probably the best way I could describe it. I am, as you mentioned earlier, um, in recovery, Still, still <laughs> getting over being a lawyer in a past life. Um, but I um, essentially am essentially just really passionate about using digital communications to really solve problems and be creative with how we go about them. So
1: just in terms of, of, of being a lawyer, though, and having you know studied as a lawyer, practiced as a lawyer, what does that give you or what's, what's the gift or the skills that that gives you that helps you to be a better communicator?
0: I think there are lots of things that you get as part of legal training that really are transferable skills that can help you in other areas of life. When you're doing your law training, one of the things that they really drum into you is alongside just general problem solving, looking ahead and seeing where someone else's argument is going to fall down. So you're constantly thinking three steps ahead and trying to solve a problem before it occurs. And I think that sort of thing is really useful for a career in social and digital media more broadly, because you're looking ahead, trying to see what the trends will be, see what competitors are doing, see how you can use the tools that you have available so that you can solve the problems that your organization has.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's that's a great insight. And really, it is such a fast changing world. How do you go about that challenge of of staying on top and staying relevant and staying able to deliver valuable uh valuable experiences to to your audiences?
0: A lot of reading. A lot of (laughs) a lot of keeping up with industry stuff, including bloggers, podcasts, just talking to other people who are in the industry. Facebook groups, you name it, like we try and be across it. It it can be a challenge, definitely.
1: Yeah. So in terms of the Australian Catholic University here in Australia, how big a team do you have and how are they organised?
0: Well, we have a smaller social media team made up of myself and a colleague who is in another state. And we do the social, but we are within a broader digital marketing team. And within that, we're In a larger marketing team, which works within digital ops, digital experience, digital, um, I suppose, um, projects, and that sort of thing, in line with other uh, communications areas like normal comms, uh, student recruitment those sorts of things so we sit within various subgroups within the wider marketing organisation
1: so then how do you or how is it communicated to you in terms of the objectives of the Australian Catholic University is there a is there a wider strategic communication plan that is presented or produced that you then have to interpret based on the resources that you have to to tell that story in order to engage with the audiences you need to, to achieve the, the business plan?
0: There is. It's sort of a uh, trickle-down approach from the key strategic goals of the university, which come at a uh, vice-chancellery level. They uh, These goals filter down to the different directorates, and within that we also get them filtered down within marketing and then in digital. Yeah, right. From there... We are able to really work with people who are our stakeholders at various levels, so our associate directors, that sort of thing, and come up with strategies that are going to be able to help us get to where we want to go in terms of strategic goals. How
1: long have you been doing
0: the job? Uh, At ACU, two years.
1: Okay. What's changed in two years?
0: So much has changed. An incredible amount of change has happened in the past two years. Uh, I was actually brought on at ACU when the digital team was in its infancy we really didn't have a digital team at all before I started, so we, that was really exciting time. From there, we've gone through various iterations and change plans as many universities do, so we've had a bit of movement in terms of the staff that we work with and we've also had restructuring in the way that our teams are organised and the way they work together. So it's been a really... Uh, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been a really good one. I've worked with some really amazing people, and I think that we're ultimately stronger at the end of it. But it is just—it's—it uh, continues to be an exciting road.
1: Okay, so just could you describe for us what some of those challenges have been, so people can probably understand exactly what it is that, that you're talking about? There,
0: I think the one challenge that comes up in a lot of large organisations, like government departments or like universities, is, is that there can be quite A lot of silos, so there can be a lot of people who are doing their own thing, who are working towards their goal, but they're not sharing those goals with other people. And one thing that I found that has been really good as we've progressed along, being from going from being a really little team to being more integrated with other areas of the uni, is that we're finding out not only what other people are doing and being able to assist with that and make that either a smoother process or more effective process, but we're also be able to get that insight and that knowledge that is existing in the uni that you don't necessarily get to have access to. For instance, I'm able to work really closely with our market research people They can give me some really valuable insights and get some information that I've been wondering about. They can go out there and interview our students and help me get an answer to a question that I've had. So that's definitely something that's been better as the time has gone on that is a a consistent challenge. I think that another thing that is a challenge with them social within a university, it's just that it's such a crowded space. There are so many voices out there that are trying to get their cut through to the students. It just really is a, a constant challenge to stay on top of what our particular student body is after, and what they want, what they know want to know about, what they want to engage with and when and how and how to sort of meet those needs as time goes on.
1: And so when you talk about that competition, are you talking about competition from other areas within the university or are you just talking about the more broader competition for people's time and attention where, for example, the story of um, ACU is competing with, you know, the latest release from Netflix?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we do love to mention Netflix where we can, but I'm talking more broadly within the university sector. We do have a lot of organisations out there who are offering similar kinds of courses and it can be a real challenge to show your point of difference. Uh, we do have a lot of competition not only from universities but also private institutions and other forms of online learning. So we're really having to try and show the value of a university education first and foremost but also show it to the people in the different areas that we operate in, which unlike a lot of universities in Australia, we're actually operating nationally. So we have to make sure that we step up and showcase what we have to offer on the national scale.
1: Okay. Now before we get to that, I just want to go back to activating – internal resources in support of the effort that you are doing because you you speak of silos and obviously there are universities are wonderful places because they're full of people they're full of smart people engaging people who are doing lots of interesting sorts of work but as you said before people have got their head down focused on what they're doing and perhaps they don't understand that either you're there to perhaps assist them to draw attention to what they're doing, nor do they quite understand that what they're actually working on could help you to achieve your objectives. So how do you bring that connection together to make sure that you are getting an accurate, you know, an active and accurate flow of insight from that wonderful resource that you have within the the teaching resource and student body?
0: It's not so much an issue now, but Back when we were a smaller team, a newer team, we really had to go out and essentially be our own evangelists. We had to go out to the people who were in the different faculties, who were in the different research institutes, in the different departments, and explain what it was that we did. So I did a lot of essentially stakeholder management, where I went out and explained how social media could potentially help people in what they were doing. So in the cases of the researchers, we could use social media to recruit for their research projects for instance we could get them participants in the case of researchers who were trying to get grants we could assist them with raising their profile so that they were getting more interest within the media and trying to get more publicity that way in terms of working with um, different areas around the university in terms of making you know, students engaged and enjoyed their time in university, we would go to the student enrichment coordinators and say, look, what have you got on this week? What have you got on this month? What could we support across social media? And how can we really get this out to the students in a way that's meaningful and makes your events even more worthwhile for the students and for you to put on because people know about them. We really had to go out and be our own advocates. And it came down to a lot of people management, a lot of making yourself useful and showcasing what social tools we had. And that's how we really got to the place that we are in today.
1: Do you still have to maintain that given that there is turnover in position and that you, are, you find yourself having to sort of spend the shoe leather and get up behind, from behind the desk and go and have those conversations and continue to have those conversations to explain the value of being involved on the social uh, platform?
0: Oh, definitely, because the double-edged sword that is social media is that you'll always have people who see it as a solution to all of their problems, but on the flip side of that, you'll have people who don't see the value in it at all. So you really need to be able to balance those two audiences that you're going, always going to have to contend with and make sure that you've consistently got messages going out and that if there is turnover within a uh, say a department you make sure that you make the effort to go out and introduce yourself and let you, let them know how you can help and how they can help you that must so, be
1: that, that must be difficult given the you know di- dispersed nature of the national campus of the australian catholic university that you've got a presence in lots of the major capital cities but they're certainly not joined up
0: it is, and we do many a good teleconference. Too. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a lot of internal tools that we use too. We're actually on uh, Workplace for uh, Facebook by Workplace. Yep. Facebook for Workplace, I should say, uh, which really helps us with our internal communications. We do a lot of um, stand-up meetings. Uh, quite a few of our groups at the uni work in an agile format now where we'll have stand-ups every morning and we'll have everyone involved on those. So we just make sure that we have a lot of face time and then also in lieu of being face-to-face, ear time on the phone.
1: Okay. So listen, just to um, uh, double back to this, that sense of competition where, you know, the ACU, like other universities, is competing for a scarce resource, which is a, a student and trying to convince them. How do you use storytelling and the distribution of stories through social to position the ACU as as, as the, the best choice for somebody?
0: We do it in quite a few different ways. We have a lot of different tactics that we use when we're trying to get out to the students that we either want to target or the students who've already expressed interest in us, whether or not that's by coming to one of our events, going to our website, doing their own research. There's a few different ways that we are getting across to these different groups of people. One way that is quite effective for us in recent times has been doing a lot of student takeovers. We've been getting people who are on the ground in the different campuses who are studying different degrees uh, to take over our Instagram stories or our Snapchat account and really showcase what the university is like for them, what the course is like for them and how they can I suppose, really take what they're learning and showcase it for the wider community. We've found that that's really an effective way of getting a realistic and authentic description of what university life is like out to the people who really want to know about it. So our prospective students, particularly in that school leaver group, which is, you know, your, you know, your 10 to 12 sort of subset. We find that that sort of technique is really not only well received, but it also is something that we find the current students really engage with as well. So it builds them up not only to be a resource for us to sell the university, but to be an engaged student and an engaged alumni member once they graduate. So it really has a lot of benefits, takes a lot of boxes for us. We use that technique instead of, or I suppose alongside your more traditional video of someone who's just joined the university and is doing an XYZ course, because it's, for one, taking advantage of a new technology that is available to us. It's also speaking to people in a language they want to be spoken to and that they find real and engaging and authentic. And it also helps us to get over the hurdle of having such a disparate amount of campuses and different locations where we don't actually have a social media person present.
1: Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Uh, It's interesting. We were talking with uh, Jenna Bradwell from the – University of Sydney a few weeks ago, and they used the same sort of idea. So I'm sure that that must be used by quite a few universities because it does seem to me to be a way to get to the heart of or to the essence of an organisation through the people who are living that particular experience.
0: Definitely. And something that we, I suppose, try to use as a selling point for ourselves, which puts us a little bit aside from some of the other bigger universities, is that we have a lot of community engagement. So we like to showcase how we engage with the community and how students can engage with their communities as well. And that's a real selling point for us as an institution and as part of our mission. So, yeah, the showcasing the students' uh, engagement with the community is a really beneficial part of that as well.
1: And in terms of the, the values and, the, and the, the, the mission and the vision of the ACU, how centrally do you locate those in terms of your storytelling? Are they a central driver to the, to the brand that you're trying to create?
0: It is in a part because essentially ACU is a Catholic institution, but it's not a, an institution that only welcomes people who are Catholic. Anyone can come. It's a publicly funded university and we encourage people from all you know ends of the spectrum to attend. So it is something where it is key to the identity, but it's not necessarily key in a Catholic sense. So we want to make sure that people show that, are shown that when they come to ACU they are going to get those opportunities to engage with their community, to create, you know, a real difference in the world, take university placements that are at not prof- not-for-profits and that sort of thing. So it is kind of a a key component of our advertising to the students, but it wouldn't be the only thing that we would focus on. Mm
1: -hmm. okay you say you've been there over the last two years and, and you talk about change just in terms of using the platforms to distribute the story you know this notion now that it's pay, you know pay to play is that your experience that that's where you are now and it's costing you a lot more money to to use the social platforms to to reach the audiences that you're seeking to engage with
0: On the one hand, yes, it's definitely reality that we are all having to deal with that Facebook in particular and and Instagram to an extent really demands that you commit a large amount of financial backing to all of your posts to really get that cut through to the audiences that you want to reach. On the flip side of that, the newer technologies, so your Instagram TV, Instagram stories and those sorts of things, they're, they're still free we can still use them without having to have any substantial costs involved on a day-to-day. So they're definitely helping us to get that cut through, get that really engaging content out there without a substantial cost. But unfortunately, the reality is that for our larger campaigns, so the major student recruitment campaigns during the year, you do need to allocate a substantial amount of funds to that. And that's a challenge for you know businesses organizations across the board
1: but that's interesting isn't it those new um, uh, iterations of these platforms such as Instagram TV Instagram stories it's the same playbook isn't it get people on get them using the, the you know the early adopters build the audience doesn't cost you too much in a way and, and when it reaches a certain point I'm sure that the uh, the tariffs will arrive <laughs>
0: Well, you know, Mark Zuckerberg didn't get to where he he is thinking ahead.
1: Yeah. No, it's fascinating, isn't it? Like, they, and they, just as a perhaps not looking at the university, when you sort of sit back and look at this wider context of social, uh, do you see some exhaustion? Do you see some drop off? Do you see a change in habits that uh, are, are taking place that people are perhaps not quite as engaged as they once were, maybe even, you know, 12 months
0: ago? I think that all of the issues that we've had in recent times with privacy, the Cambridge Analytica scandal, all that sort of thing, has definitely built a level of distrust amongst certain communities. There are some people who are deciding that social media is not necessary for their life and they're turning away from it. But then on the flip side of that, there are always new platforms, new things for people to be engaged with, new features, and particularly with the younger demographics. As time goes on, their social media use is going to change. We used to think of Facebook as the platform where everyone is but we all know now that the reality is that younger people see it as an increasingly older person's platform. They're still going to use Facebook just as a matter of course for say researching you know the institutions they want to go to have a look at that see what's going on and it is still recognized as a platform that is useful for updating information in a timely manner but essentially we're going to have to evolve with the way that people are evolving we can't stay stagnant we really have to stay on board with what is new what is really touching these younger demographics particularly in the case of universities and try and adapt what we're trying to do now to how we can do that better in the future
1: mm, that's a that's a big challenge isn't it and I sort of I, I often uh Sort of reflect on people who are in roles like yourselves, and about the challenge of that—that you know, staying current, twenty-four-seven, fast-moving environment, platforms, you know, new platforms coming in, new tactics, new techniques, new—you know, it's how do you cope with that? How how do you manage that in yourself, so as that you don't, you know, fry yourself.
0: (laughs) Well, I think, um, essentially, having. A love for the industry helps with that. I think that if I didn't enjoy the work, I would definitely, you know, I wouldn't be doing it anymore. You know, five years or six years or seven years is a long time in social media. It is still an industry that hasn't been around for that long. But the people who are, say, veterans of it (laughs) now have been in it for a few years definitely are all... I suppose people who are in it for the love of the game.
1: Yeah, but there's also a lot of people who are fried, aren't there? Like, you know, you see them. They're these sort of hollow people who've been around for a long time and you can just see that it's sucked the life out of them.
0: Yeah, I think that it is a... It is a reality that you need to be able to check yourself. You need to be able to disconnect and take that time. I'm actually a really avid hiker. I like to go out, and out into the middle of nowhere when I travel and just disconnect completely. My <laughs> own social media platforms are not abusing <laughs> of using social media. I say do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> it's essentially because of what you're saying, you don't necessarily have that much to give. You can sometimes have days where you will be looking at the depths of despair of the internet. You know, it can be quite taxing emotionally and just, just the volume of it, it just keeps going. and just never stops. So one thing I do like to do is make sure that I take some time out where I do disconnect. I'll have days where I try and make it so that I have a lot of face-to-face contact with people. I'll be talking to people on the phone. I won't be on the front line completely stuck behind as manager all day. And I'll also make sure that if I have leave stockpiled I'll, I'll take it and I'll go somewhere and do something amazing and I think that the big thing that a lot of social people definitely struggle with is being able to ask for help because if you are a, you know a, the one person who is managing everything for your organization you feel like you can't stop you don't want to ask for help you don't and you don't necessarily trust other people to be able to do the job for you because it can be complicated and a lot of people I think incorrectly assume that just because you've got a Facebook account that you can do everything that a person who works in social every day can do. Yeah, so but but to- it's not
1: as if it's but the other the other challenge is, isn't it? It's not as if it's a, a single channel. Uh, you know, channel. I used to work as a, a a radio reporter on a on a national radio network, and that's what I used to work for. And I used to work for a particular part of that radio network. Whereas, if we look at the role that you're doing, you've got multiple networks that you have to feed that all have different needs and different requirements and different challenge, you know, challenges like you. I'm sure that you communicate slightly differently on Facebook as you do to Instagram, as you do to YouTube, as you do to Snapchat, you know, Twitter, etc. So you, you use those as different channels. And so it's such a complex task. I just, I just find like, I don't, I don't do it cause I don't think I could do it. So I, 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 I just wonder how people just cope with all of that because it is such a demanding job.
0: It is quite demanding and you've nailed it. We do have a lot of different platforms that we have to work with to create content that speaks in the language that the people are speaking in on those platforms. But I I suppose my role doesn't necessarily stop at the platform level. We are very lucky to have quite engaged faculty marketing managers that we work with, and we ensure that the social media that is um, integrated with their roles also is taken into account, so it's another actual added layer to the job. Just the other day, I was working with the Faculty of Health Sciences to ensure that they had the right guidelines for their students who are going out on placement, to ensure that they're not doing anything that infringes patient confidentiality or privacy on their social media platforms. A lot of the students like to go out on placement and take photos of themselves in hospitals, in schools, those sorts of things where there can be really difficult issues to navigate, privacy and those sorts of things. So, yeah, we'd like to try and help out and make sure that everything is all right on the governance side of things as well.
1: Yeah, gosh. Okay. If you didn't have enough to do. (laughs)
0: yeah <laughs> different yeah
1: so listen some some hints and some tips what's 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 your, your top five things to be to be a really good community manager and to 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 be a sustainably good community manager I think is perhaps the the, the the task one of those tips by the sounds of things is to take a break so what what else might people be able to to do to be really effective in what they're doing I
0: think continuing to educate yourself on what is new and different and emerging in terms of technology is really important. So make sure that you sign up to all of the different social media platform blogs. Make sure that you're following podcasts. Make sure that you're really keeping up to date with everything that is new and different by, you know, speaking to other people who work in the industry as well. Another thing that I would say that would be really important would be to just experiment, to give yourself space to be able to go out there and try something different because if you are doing what you've done every single day, not only are you going to be exhausted and uninspired but you're just going to, you're not going to get any more wins. You've really got to be, I suppose, empowered as well by the people that you work with to be able to try new things, see if they work, if they fail, iterate them, do a different way of doing it to make sure that you're really taking not only the social platforms to the next level, but you're pushing yourself so that you don't get tired or uninspired or burnt out without any reason to, be, you know, to live. Um, I think another thing we could say: What are we up to? This is surely number four. Okay,
1: yeah, we're up to four. You've given us three. <laughs> actually, no, you, this is up to four because you said break as well. So that's we're break. up to five actually.
0: Oh, five. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> lucky number five. We'll have to make this one good. I think that. Um, The last thing I'd do in terms of making sure that it's sustainable for yourself is to reach out to different people with different skills areas in the university or the organisation that you work in. We are lucky to work with a whole lot of really dynamic, interesting people within ACU. And I found at every university or every, every industry that I've worked in you've got such interesting people around you and you just have to start having the conversation to find out where people's interests lie you will have a million people who will be willing to put their hand up to give you help with something if they find it interesting so if you can you know if you're running a live event you think you're going to need a few extra hands on deck ask the people who work in your team or even outside your team whether or not they'd be interested in helping you out and then engaging you know something that's interesting to them and enhancing their own skill set you'll probably be surprised at how many people will be willing to help you out. So I think that would be my last piece of advice to make sure that you have a sustainable career, just to
1: yeah. be
0: be you know, open to asking other people for help and be prepared to accept it as well.
1: And accepting that really if you're going to succeed sustainably over time, it's a team sport. Everyone has to be involved. You can be the energy and the driver and the strategist, but really I think there's such a gift in that that if you can get – your organization communicating efficiently and effectively that it lightens the load and this sense of that central pressure point you know collapsing under the weight of expectation it's the only way I think that you're going to solve that over time is that that distributed model where people are given the training given the skills and given the permission to be able to go out there and and speak um confidently and authentically on behalf of the organisation in order to achieve the business objectives of the organisation you're working for because at the end of the day it doesn't matter a jot unless you're moving the needle on those business objectives.
0: Definitely. If we don't have students, we don't have jobs.
1: Indeed. Okay. (laughs) Stephanie, thank you so much. That's a great um, conversation and so much wisdom and value because I do know it's an issue. I do know it is an issue for people. I often speak to people about that sort of helplessness and sort of throw on the next layer of complication when people are now starting to consider about the implications of smart machines and artificial intelligence and automation and robotics and you know, quantum computing and, you know, whatever else is coming down the, the you know, the road, there is this sense of being overwhelmed. So this notion of trying to find a center, being consistent, keep turning up, be of service to your audience and really see your job through the value of the people who you are seeking to serve is maybe a way of lessening that cognitive burden that um is just sitting right over there if you let it get to you. So thank you so much for that wisdom and advice. And to you, the audience, thank you for coming back once again. Great conversation there with Stephanie, really. What a job. What a job. But doing it well, doing it cleverly, seeking the help, understanding that the job of telling the story of your organisation is a team sport. It doesn't doesn't come down to the comms team. It doesn't come down to the engagement team. You've got to get everybody working together, guiding back towards those business objectives, understanding the audiences, understanding the people who influence those audiences, and being in service of those people consistently over time, because if you can tell a great story, you will ultimately move them to action. So there you go. Thanks very much for coming back once again. I'll be back at the same time next week. I love doing this podcast. I love the fact that you're listening to this podcast, but I'll be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast.